What's up, Pickleheads? Have a super exciting podcast for you today. Today, we're going to be talking about the biggest myth in pickleball, which is disrespecting the X. If you don't know what this is, be sure to stick around because we're going to cover a lot of ground today. Really help you to be in the correct position when you're playing pickleball. All right, like Austin talked about, we're going to talk about what that means to respect the ex and what it means to disrespect the ex. Don't be so, disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. We've posted quite a bit on on Picklehead, and a lot of those have been pickleball quizzes. I have fun like taking little quizzes online. Like if somebody posts something on Twitter, <clears throat> like I don't know, I can't help myself. Like even in our family group text the other night, we had uh i just posted that math question right and everybody disagreed oh and yeah it's just it's a fun conversation starter and everyone can learn together and then everyone can figure out the answer together anyway been posting these pickleball quizzes on there and i get a lot of different answers but on one in particular who should take the middle ball especially if it's a middle attack yeah. uh i get a lot of the same answer and it happens to be the wrong answer. Yeah. So Austin, uh, on your page too, if you ever post a pickleball quiz and you say, who should be covering the middle in this situation? And we give a situation. What is the most common response that you receive? Yeah, it's always forehand covers middle every time. And it's not true. Because <laughs> that's what you get from tennis is, yeah, forehand covers middle, which makes a lot of sense until you put two lefties together. And I actually looked this up today, so I didn't know we were going to talk about this until five minutes ago when Spencer brought it up. But my post today was about respecting the X to an extent, and we'll talk about that later because in certain situations, you actually want to disrespect the X. And even though you guys might not know what that is yet, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but yeah. it's really important. And I, I actually got asked today in a DM from a guy. He had a very thoughtful message, and then he at the end, asked a question like, hey, bro, I don't know whether to counter on my backhand side or my forehand side. He's like, I'm just confused because sometimes they're speeding it up the middle and sometimes they're speeding it down the line. And it all came down to respecting the X, which is what we're going to talk about. But yeah, my post was about that today, is where you need to be standing and what whose ball is whose, because it's not forehand has the middle. It's, yeah. it's respecting the X. And that's why that's the biggest myth. Like, that's the most common answer that I receive. Any ball sped up in the middle, oh, forehand should be getting the middle. Um, I would say 90% of the answers are that. Yeah. And uh, and you agree. would think, like, okay, forehand dominant. I guess that makes sense. And I think everybody just jumps on board with that myth. And they're like, well, they said forehand in the middle. You know, I have some tennis experience. That's what I learned in tennis, like you said. And, you know, maybe we should just do that. But you should actually be, uh, for anyone, um, I'll let you exp you explain the X, but let me just explain this. Um, I'll get us started. So the person that should be covering that middle ball is, a, is the person that is across from, or diagonal from, shouldn't say across, cross court or diagonal from the person that's attacking. So, for example, if I'm playing on the right side of the court, we'll call it left side and right side. If you're facing the net, my left hand would be on the left side, my right hand would be on the right side. 
if the person attacking on the opposite end of the court is attacking from their right side down the middle and I'm playing on the right side on my end, in most cases, I should be the one that should be covering that ball with my backhand. And everyone's like, well, backhand's weaker than forehand, so you shouldn't be covering it that way. And I'll explain why you should in just a second here. Same thing for the other side. If their left side player is attacking middle, our person that's my person that's on my left hand side should be covering that middle. And in that case, they will be covering it with their forehand. And that's because I need to be watching the attack down the line and they will be covering the middle. And the last reason for that is any ball that they're gonna hit behind the player on the left all the way across court is a low percentage shot. And that's something that we're willing to give up in order to cover the middle. Yeah, because you have time uh, to get to it. 90% yeah. of the time you'll have time to get to that ball because they can't hit it hard, they'll hit it wide. Absolutely. Uh, let me explain it just a little bit slower for anyone that maybe wasn't paying attention. Man, if I ever listen to a podcast, like regardless of what the podcast is, sometimes I have to rewind it. Yeah, no, <laughs> me too. And by rewind, I just mean I just push, you know, back 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. And then I start thinking about something else while I'm driving or whatever. I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I just missed it again. And then rewind it again. <laughs> but this time I'll explain it a little bit slower. You don't have to rewind. And I'll try to keep it even a little bit more basic. So who should cover the middle ball? It should be the person that is diagonal from the person attacking to the middle. Yeah. So if their right side player is attacking the middle, our right side player should be the one covering that ball because the le my left side partner should be covering anything down the line. And the last point that I already made is anything that's going to be hit behind me on my right side or behind my partner on the left side is a low percentage shot there's no way it's coming really fast. You'll be able to get to that ball. Yeah. I hope that kind of explains it. That was it perfect. Because if you do this effectively, you will no longer have to guess, do I counter with my backhand? Do I counter with my forehand? Well, I'm really struggling to figure out if I, what side they're going to speed it up on. It doesn't matter if you and your partner are on the same page where they know, okay, the X, if that left side of the X goes to the left side of the X. The right side of the X goes to the right side of the X. If they ever hit up the middle, the person on the same side of the court as them, meaning right and right, is going to cover the middle. The best way that I like to think about it is the Bryan brothers in tennis. You got a righty who is Mike. Mike's the righty and Bob's the lefty. They have two forehands in the middle. So then the answer can't simply be forehand gets middle. They're, they're, yeah. They have to respect the X, so they're going to go with the actual answer, and they never have confusion in the middle because they're respecting the X, where if it comes across, uh, if, if it's left side, sorry, if it's right side to right side, Bob, since he's lefty, is going to be covering the middle with his forehand. And then it's same, if it's left side to left side, Mike's going to be covering the middle with his forehand. So if everybody was a lefty-righty combo playing together, the X would always be respected because, yeah, forehand's going to cover the middle, but it has to be the correct forehand that covers the middle. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, forehand covers middle, but what happens if we both think the other forehand was covering 
the middle. So best way to think about it is forehand's going to cover the middle in a di- in a diagonal like Spencer was talking talking about. But just to confuse you guys a little bit, this is what my post was about <laughs> tonight. Is the opposite is true as soon as you as soon as you go back to the baseline. And this is really interesting. I was thinking about it a lot tonight. But when you go back to the baseline, you will want to disrespect the X. It's going to be the absolute opposite of that because you have, you're in a defensive, uh, defensive position when your opponents are up at the net and you're back on the baseline, first of all. But second of all, you kind of have a little bit of an advantage because you have more time to react to the ball than if you were up at the net. Yeah. The reason that you stepped back is because you probably popped up a ball and now they're hitting overheads. When the ball gets higher, they have greater angles that they can hit that ball. So if you hit it to their right side person, which Spencer explained before, the right side person is the person when they're facing the net, they're on the right side of the court. It'd be their right hand would be the right side of the court. For instance, if they're hitting overheads, and let's say I'm the right side player opponent on the other side, and Spencer's the left side player on the other on, on my side of the court too. So me and Spencer are over here. He's on the left. I'm on the right. That right side opponent is hitting the overhead now it's not I cover the middle, Spencer covers the line. Because if Spencer covers the line, it makes no sense because the right side player over there has no angles to hit that overhead to. They can only hit it down the line, which Spencer will have time to get to, up the middle, and then their greatest angle and their easiest put away is going to be the one that we give them um, when we're up at the net because they can't possibly hit it hard since we're dinking. But now that we're back and they're hitting overheads, they can hit it hard, is that cross-court angle. Looks like I lost Spencer for a second. He's back. Sweet. But it's that cross-court angle now that they're hitting overheads. That's their greatest shot that they can hit. They have the biggest angle on it because that ball is so high. They can hit down on the ball. They can hit hard on the ball. So now me, as the right side player, is going to cover. I'm going to go way cross-court and cover that angle. Spencer is going to cover the middle now. And partially his line, kind of leaving it open. That's the shot that we want to give them for the most part because Spencer can still cover it. What we want to make sure that we cover is me as the right side player, I'm covering that big, huge angle that they have. So hopefully that's not too confusing, but it's the absolute opposite as soon as you take a step back and they're hitting overheads. Does that make sense, Spencer? Absolutely, but I knew what was going on. I think for some people it can be a little bit confusing. What I could say is picture so we have our sidelines of the court instead of sidelines pretend that those are walls okay so there's actually a wall coming up from the sideline anything beyond that wall is going to be out so if i'm standing on the sideline on my side of the court and i want to hit an angle down that same sideline there is no angle there's a wall there i can't i can't do anything yeah, there's not a wall there, but if I try to hit an angle down that line from my side, it's just going to go out. It's just an out yeah. ball. That ball there's is no going angle. straight. There is, there's no angle to hit. Whereas like you explained, you can hit at, you know that angle cross court. Um, and the one advantage, like you said, that you have when you are at the baseline is time. Whereas when you're at the kitchen line, time... It uh, doesn't quite exist, or it's it's much shorter, right? But yeah, I think you explained that great. 
Um, it's just funny how you hear some of these pickleball myths, and there's actually quite a few that I could talk about, especially with players at the beginner level, and even more especially with people that come from tennis, because they bring their tennis with them, they haven't played that much pickleball, and then these myths start, and everyone yep. seems to jump on board. I can think of one right now, like you'll have somebody tell you that's fairly new to pickleball and say you're brand new to pickleball. Just just for an example, they'll say, okay, you come up to that kitchen line, don't get off that kitchen line. You know, we're, we're dinking or whatever. And they basically want you to stay pinned to that kitchen line and not and not move. You know, don't back up. If you back up, the point's over, right? Whereas sometimes you might need to back up to give yourself a little bit of space. Um, that, that's another myth, but this one is huge because I always hear forehand in the middle, forehand covers the middle, forehand covers the middle, but there's not much logic to that. Um, that player could be anywhere on the court, but like you said, I think the biggest point in this, in order to debunk this myth and in order to make it work, you and your partner both need to understand this concept. Yeah. So for anyone listening or watching right now, you have a playing partner or someone that you play with consistently, even if you don't play tournaments and you guys just want to win for fun, you should both understand how to cover that middle ball. And if you understand that it's just I'm covering diagonal, if that person diagonal from me is attacking middle, I should be covering middle. And if the person, if the opponent attacking middle opposite or diagonal my opponent is attacking middle then they should be covering that ball you don't have to think about forehand backhand like you said and it should be way simpler like for me when i finally learned this it's it clicked i was like oh okay you know i was wrong on this for a long time too i'm just like well forehand should cover the middle i thought that's why we did this um anyway is there anything else you can add to that yeah. also to make it clearer? something Something interesting about respecting the S X is there's another myth to go along with it. And that's that you should never speed up cross court. And you'll hear this all the time. I get it in my comments all the time because yep. some pro somewhere said this at some point and now everybody's all about it. And I, <laughs> I completely disagree with not speeding up cross court because I think if you, in fact, Elise Jones, mighty mouse, everybody, uh, everybody knows who that is. She's a fantastic player. She's top three or four, five, maybe five girls in the world. She taught me that you do speed up cross court so long as you put it in this location, the correct location, which is across the body of your opponent. So when it's my job to cover the middle because the person on the right just sped it up up the middle and I'm on the right, Spencer's on the left, I have to cover the middle with my backhand. So clearly I'm holding backhand and I'm leaving anything over to my forehand. I'm leaving it. That's the harder yep. shot for them. I'll have time to get it unless they hit the perfect spot, which is going to be my right hip. So across my body, then I'm going to be holding backhand. Now I have to get to forehand and I'm in a chicken wing position now because they hit it across my body. That's going to be a pop-up. Your partner's going to absolutely love you if you, not not the person that's popping up the ball, but the person that sped it up across the body because now that ball's coming directly down the line to your partner after you sped that ball up and they're going to put the ball away. 
because yep. it's going to be a pop-up. It has to be based off of the paddle angle of you getting to that ball. So if done right and done correctly, you can hit this spot across the body. That being said, it's a low percentage shot because it's very easy to hit it out cross court. It's very easy to hit it out wide. And so if you can fine tune it and get it in the correct location, which all of these pros obviously can, a lot of five O's can, a lot of four fives can, then it makes sense to hit cross court. But yes, of course you're going to have less time if you hit the wrong location and you're, and you're speeding up cross court, your partner is going to hate you because you're just going to constantly get demolished. But if you can hit across the body of your, of your opponent, then you're going to set up your partner for so many shots. So that's just another myth, I guess, that ties into the X. But remember, it's good to speed up cross court if you can get that dominant hip of your opponent because they're holding backhand if they're righty, of course. And I think the reason people say that too, and then it gets spread, you know, like the game telephone from this guy to that guy to that guy, and it gets so popular is you do have more time to react if if you're attacked cross court. And so we think, okay, that made sense to me. They said, don't attack cross court because that opponent's going to have much longer time. But if I attack straight across from me, then they have less time to react. So I'm always going to attack straight across from me. And like you said, that is another myth as long as you hit the right spot. You made the explanation from the right side, and it's a mirror image on the left side. Same thing. If you can attack their left hip or somewhere you know, behind them right there on the left side, then, uh, then it is a good attack. Um, high I'm risk, not high as reward. good at doing that because I do hit the ball out. What were you going to say? Sorry. High risk, high reward. It's going to be, if you have it yeah. down and you have a really good speed up, do it because it's going to be a fantastic setter. But if you're constantly hitting that ball, trying to get it across their body and you're constantly hitting it right to the moneymaker, right to their forehand or their backhand that's in the middle, the point's going to be over sooner than later. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to go against you there but I feel like there's just so many myths and and I know I I don't want to talk about so many myths but just one more (laughs) that I want to talk about is you'll see it in the pros so often where they're dinking cross court and it's all topspin high percentage but topspin it's high percentage because they've done it so much but topspin is definitely the most difficult of all the dinks with the underspin flat obviously is the easiest but topspin is the most difficult to fine tune And I've been in so many comment sections where people will talk about like, hey, when you're on the right side, you're the setup. You're the person that's just setting up the point. It's your job to be consistent and just hit flat dinks cross court. Mm -hmm. Keep it in, keep it in, keep it in. Let the person on the left attack. But then you go watch professionals and you go watch five O's and the person on the right is constantly hitting top spin dinks. And I know that it's yeah. more a more advanced dink, so I'm not suggesting that you start hitting topspin dinks. You need to actually get consistent with flat dinks and underspin dinks first. But once you do that, you get to the four or five-ish level. Now it's time to work on that topspin and not just try to keep the ball in, but you're creating offensive situations for you and your partner by doing so. And you'll see the pros do it all the time. So don't listen to people that say it's your job to just keep the ball in, keep it in cross court when you're on the right side. Your job is to set up the point, and you're going to do that best by hitting topspin, putting pressure on your opponents. But you got to be able to do it consistently, which you're not going to be able to do at the at those beginner-ish levels. It's just going to take time and obviously getting thousands of reps in. Literally thousands of reps in is the only way to do it. So, 
but just another little myth insert. Yeah, no, and, and pressure is the key word there too. Yeah. I notice it a lot uh, with the female pros. When the women are playing that right side player, they can put a lot of top spin on that ball and it is creating a lot of pressure on Tough. the opponent. Um, I've also noticed from the backhand side, a lot of twoies. So yeah. a lot of two-handed backhands now have so much top spin and it's working. It's putting a lot of pressure uh, regardless of who the player is cross court uh one risk that i did see throughout the weekend watching this most recent tournament is every once in a while you do pop a ball up yeah and that just comes from practice too and these guys still have been hitting thousands of balls but risk reward again um i would just keep going for it yeah you pop one up every once in a while but the majority of those balls is putting a lot of pressure on your opponent opponent and you're setting up your partner pretty well. So to summarize this, I want everyone who is listening or is watching this time to always know if we post a quiz or if you're out playing with your friends or you're in a tournament and someone wants to know who should be covering that middle ball, please do not say forehand has the middle. <laughs> That's all we want from this, from this pod is that everyone understands that is a huge myth and you should be for the most part covering the person diagonal should be the one covering. No, straight up look for those posts. And if anybody says forehand covers middle, just reply to them. That's just straight disrespectful. Just say that that's disrespectful. <laughs> Just tag us when people when people comment that. Just tag us and tell whoever it is to come and watch podcast episode 44 of Picklehead. And it'll be uh, eye-opening for everyone. Dude, so. what, what is this? Sometimes me and Spencer are FaceTiming and all of a sudden some bubble <laughs> comes up with a thumbs up like balloons. <laughs> balloons show up out of nowhere. <laughs> no one's touching anything and they just, just shows up. There's a thumbs up. I think somebody I think somebody behind the scenes from Apple, one of their software guys, <laughs> like really likes our podcast. So they just shoot thumbs up and balloons all the time. He's like, Oh, they're on. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's really quick talk about this tournament this weekend. We had that crazy serve that we talked about in our last podcast where you have to hit it you have to drop it below your your hip. It's funny, someone commented on my YouTube video that I did about it with H and said, hey, just so you know, that's not your hip. That's your iliac, iliac montosis bone. <laughs> He's like, you need to instruct this, you need to instruct this uh, correctly. And I was like, yeah, I, I just don't think that beginners are going to be like all about that iliac montosis <laughs> yeah. bone, man. <laughs> I don't think I don't think advanced or mediocre players like me are gonna want to hear that either. Yeah, nobody <laughs> wants to hear it. So it's like, obviously, you got to teach to you got to keep it simple, which hopefully we've done during this podcast. It's really hard to describe the X like we've talked about. It's freaking hard because, yeah, I mean the best way to describe it is it's an X, but then it's like you still have to describe. There's no easy way it's like trying to describe right. the scoring system in pickleball anyways yeah they had that serve ben got called quite a few times in his singles match i think that he would have lost anyway against kwang duang and super good match kwang duang played freaking awesome dylan yeah. frazier 
amazing. He's back. He's back, dude. Like, wow. He could dude, that was fun. not miss. Yeah. So he played Federico Stackstreet in the final. Literally, Federico had no answers. It was a really close match. Federico played awesome, too. But he would hit it to Dylan's backhand, and Dylan could hit this full-on backhand with tons of topspin and make it land in the kitchen corner for a winner. He did that probably 10 times throughout their yeah. three three games, which was really impressive. What did you he think? He had Fed figured out, man. I didn't think he had a chance, especially the way that Fed played the Throughout the tournament, week. yeah. Like, um, another fun player to watch, obviously, was Jack Sock. So uh, fun. Some of his doubles matches were fun. I think they'll do better over time. They got to figure each other out. He and Shicky. I love that he was calling Dr. Shick, <laughs> Shicky. <Shicky. Yeah. laughs> I was like, okay, I'm calling him Shicky. <laughs> yeah, right. Now. It's Shicky. Um, he was super fun to watch, and he actually played really well in singles until he met up with Fed. And for some reason, that was his worst game. Yes, Stackstrud played really well, but I think Jack Sock just honestly played the worst singles of his life that match for some reason. It was interesting uh, watching that because uh, the person that was commentating was Daniel Roditti, who's a fantastic singles and doubles player, which I'm sure you know who that is. Yeah, he's good. But yeah, he... He's just older. A top five, five oh, five five around there. And um he was saying, I think what we'll see during this match before it started is Federico will be hitting his returns to Jack's forehand, which Jack has a better forehand than he does a backhand. Which his backhand's still awesome. He just avoids it at all costs and hits he's like Tyson McGuffin out there. Well he'll he'll run all the way outside the sideline and hit a forehand. <laughs> Right, But it's because he's so good on those inside-out and inside-in forehands. He can hit it easily down the line, easily cross-court, and just really place his shot. So Fed said to that, well, this guy's probably fresh out of practice on hitting a forehand on his forehand side where he has to run out to his forehand and hit it either cross-court or down the line. Hmm. Jack couldn't, couldn't hit a shot in. It was really bad. So I think that that had a lot to do with it, and he needs to practice that side, honing in cross-court forehands, being able to get him to drop into the kitchen, and also his down-the-line forehand. Everything was top of the tape on that side, but it's because nobody had been returning to that side, and I'm sure he hasn't practiced it because everybody thinks he doesn't have a backhand target the backhand, but it's like, no, he's really comfortable on that side hitting forehands. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. But I, I just to go back to that other match with Dylan, I guessed that Dylan would win. I never announced it to anybody, but I, that was my inner guess, I guess you could say. Maybe I'm lying to you, but it really was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we believe you. Just because I saw how Dylan was playing, fact that he beat J-Dub, I thought was incredible. I think J-W is probably the best singles player uh, when he's having a good day, but I think he's probably yeah. the best. But the fact that he beat him, and I just saw his shots where he could just place the ball so well, and also his kitchen game was unbelievable, which Federico hadn't played against anybody that has a good kitchen game. Obviously, I have Christian Alshon, but Christian Alshon's, baseline game is a hundred times better than his kitchen game currently yeah it'll continue to get better but i just felt like he didn't have that kind of a challenge like what you'd get with dylan and ben johns and ben jw where that cat and mouse is so good so i thought it would be be close and and i thought dylan would pull it out so i was glad he did i was definitely doubting it though when he was down i think he was down seven nine one eleven nine so yeah Oh, that was fun. It was a fun weekend. It was fun to watch all of them, really. And uh, I love that progressive draw. I love it. Yeah, I think it's cool. 
so fun. Everything's on. Okay, and I did find out for any of the viewers that are trying to deal with pickleball TV. So if you want to watch any of the PPA tournaments, I think they're doing this all year. It's going to be on pickleball TV because they have a lot of money into that. They're going to keep doing that. But I always watch after the fact because it's really hard for me to find time, especially like Wednesday through even yeah. even through Saturday to watch live and Sunday too. I mean, it's just hard to find time to watch live. But after the fact, I found everything on championship court is on tennis channel so you can go to tennis channel type ppa and it'll buy tournament and you can pick by day and go watch everything after the fact go to tennischannel.com or something or what well i just use the app so uh, like i have a samsung tv or you can get fire tv or whatever but download the tennis channel app um and you can go in there and watch everything after the fact it's all recorded on there is it I free? I found that out yesterday. It's free? Um, it might be connected to... Uh, man. Okay, next pod I'll clarify okay. whether or not it's free because I'm not sure. I could have already been... I could have already had that connected and not had to log in, you know? So that's, that's certainly possible. But if you want to watch it for... Fe- um, if you want to watch it after the fact, that's really the only place to do it. If you want to watch grandstand court after the fact or during the day, you can watch that on YouTube. But championship court, I did see that it's all on Tennis Channel, and then, yeah, I'll clarify next week. Yeah, that's it's cool. If it's free, I mean. Free or not. I'm all about that free. Annalie Waters. And it, I was going to say Annalie Waters is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> She's just unbelievable. She's so freaking good, dude. She just triple crowns at everything. And something interesting is multiple times throughout each game, she's has the ball hit behind her. And for anybody, that's going to be a pop-up, literally anybody. It's going to be a pop-up. But she has this ability with her backhand to be facing the back fence, chasing down a ball. She hits topspin. She turns that defensive position that she's in into an offensive position because she can literally just hit this topspin type of ball behind her, which is something that I've been working on probably going to make a YouTube video about it at some point. But yeah, it's the most, do. I need it. It's the sickest thing ever. It's two hands. And she literally is facing opposite of the court. She's right back into the point. And not just into the point, but she just made her opponents off balance. It's really, really cool. Yeah. But she can consistently yeah. do it. It's amazing. She's really... Uh, last last really two good. points I'll make from watching pro pickleball this weekend uh number one is it is incredible to me and incredibly dumb they will hold interviews during a match (laughs) and they split the screen i'm trying to watch the match and they have some interview of some guy who no one cares about talking it's always connor pardo i'm like oh that is a horrible decision who's the owner's do not do that. Is the owner Connor? No, he's the, but he runs the show. He's the president or the CEO or whatever. Dude needs to he's lay off, lay off the donuts, right? And actually start watching some pickleball, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't know what's going on and we're having to listen to him talk. Not a fan oh, of that man. at all. 
<laughs> I just can't believe it. I'm like, why are you doing that during the match on Championship <laughs> Sunday or wh- whenever it was? I don't know when it was, but that was bad. And then the last thing is, uh, what do you think going forward? Are they going to stick with this new serve rule or are they just going to go to a drop serve? What decision do you think is going to be made there? If, if anyone is unfamiliar what we're talking about, jump our last two podcasts. We talked about this new, new serve rule. Um, but do you think they'll continue with it or you think it'll go away? I still think it's way too hard to manage. It was interesting because everybody was serving illegally. Yeah, but they only called some of them. Yeah. So it was, I don't know. Especially Riley Newman. They never even called him. Every time yeah. he raises his arm. It's like, that's part of the rules. Why isn't it being called? He's just doing his normal serve. I'm like, what's going on here? But everybody has to do it except for Dylan Frazier was the only one. I forgot how his serve was, but his serve's always been that same thing where, like, he holds the ball down and pretty much hits it out of his hand. But I I think that they have to go to a drop serve unless they're just not going to call it, and then it's back to volley serve anyway. But it was funny. Which is the same thing, yeah. Did you see Ben in his match against Quang Duong where he – and Ben went and talked to the ref, was just pissed for five minutes, literally. Uh-huh. And you watch the replay. Ben's arm is literally going from his uh, his hip. It goes from his hip all the way up to his shoulder. Like, that's how much uh-huh. he's raising the ball. And he's complaining <laughs> about it. <laughs> like, bro. Yeah. But at the same time, in order to get your hip rotation actually hit a hard serve, you have to do that. Because when uh-huh. your hips rotate, your arm goes up. As you hit through the ball, so they have to go to a drop serve. And even other people, it was definitely going up, and they weren't getting called on it. They weren't bringing it up to their shoulder, but it was obviously going up before, you know, with the release. It wasn't just dropping from your hip. Yeah. It it was obvious, but. So many people commented on my video and my videos just saying, keep the volley serve, keep the volley serve, and just actually call it. Just actually, like, call it a fault when it happens it's like okay yeah you can try to do that at the pro level with refs but then all of a sudden you get into one of our tournaments where we're playing in the three five four zero division there's no refs around so yeah. they're not going to call it or so only what are you a couple do? of the matches yeah, yeah so you're going to call your opponent oh yeah you raised your arm now your opponent and you are in a fight and your opponent's like i didn't raise my arm our point so it's like, yeah. bro, the only way that we're going to overcome this problem is through a drop serve. It's the only way. So you just, yeah. you can drop it from any height. There's nothing that you can possibly do that's illegal. People are saying you can somehow put spin on the ball now with the drop serve. And they're saying like, yeah, people manipulate it. It's like, well, yeah, but you could do that with the volley serve. Plus it can be hit, hit at chest level. Yeah. Yeah, I think the drop serve is the way to go too, and that's an excellent point. If you're playing a match and you don't have a ref, uh, nothing is worse than the guy that's trying to call an illegal serve on his opponent yeah. or the guy that's calling a kitchen toe violation on his opponent. Yeah. It's like, Dingus. I don't know, it shouldn't be done. That that turn, that makes pickleball look so bad. So it shouldn't turn into that, just drop serves only. But we'll see what they do. The drop serve, you can still crank that ball. Yeah. So, yeah. Good pod. I think we talked covered a lot. Anything else you want to talk about? 
No, we covered a bunch. We'll have another exciting pod coming this next week. We appreciate everyone listening and watching. Anytime you get a chance to check us out on YouTube, it's a much funner watch and you get to look at Austin's beautiful face. Spencer's giant forehead. (laughs) (laughs) It gets bigger every pod. No, we were talking, we were talking before this pod. I was saying, even though I have hair and Spencer doesn't, I have the biggest forehead of anybody I've ever met. I have a massive forehead. I, I, Not a chance. I filmed a YouTube a video chance. today where I it was a character, and his name's Alfie, and he's a beginner pickleball player. It's really stupid. I don't know how well it'll do, but... <laughs> it sounds um, horrible. Yeah. His name's Alfie, and he has a headband on, and the headband goes... I'm interested, though. Yeah, the headband goes up to here, and man, does it show my widow's peak. Holy cow, man. <laughs> Think, I, th- I think I'd all be these... stoked if I had a widow's peak. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be down with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Anyways, thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys on the next one. Later. <laughs> <laughs>